Hi everyone, it's Shakti Durga, and welcome to this episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Each episode is going to feature some of the highlights from live trainings, retreats, online classes, and presentations that I've done around the world. If you find value in it, please text the link to the podcast to a friend or share it with your networks. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Namaste. How many times have you felt that you'd like to be able to do something to help with the environment and all the problems going on, but you just don't know what to do? I felt the same and thought that it would be a good idea for us to explore what are the spiritual opportunities that we have to make a difference in the world in which we live? Because I think it's easy and really correct in a way that there are times when we just feel so annoyed about what's going on, so frustrated, and even rage can come up when you see disgraceful behaviour by people, by organisations, by individuals profligate destruction of animals or forests or environments. And forests are disappearing at extraordinary rates. Oceans and rivers are befouled. We're facing a dwindling natural environment in our generations. And so what can we do to play a part in the cessation of poisoning of the natural world? What can we do to help bring about clean water, clean air and clean soil, which of itself will probably bring a lot of other things into balance? What I've found in the past, and if we look at history, you usually find that anger is the fire in the belly that says, come on, we've got to do something. And that's its job. That's its role. And that's a really good use of anger to get a motivation happening. But then what happens is the law of vibration operates such that if we can't process the anger and come to a place where we are more in a peaceful vibration but a dedicated vibration to doing something, then what happens is when we take action, when we speak, when we enter into the debate then all that people hear is our anger and that anger usually is a turn-off to anyone who holds an opposite view. And it seems that in this world there are lots and lots of people who don't hold the well-being of the planet and clean water, clean air and clean soil as a very high priority. And so how do we get through to these people? How do we change the status quo? I think, as I said before, that feeling of rage, that feeling of anger is an important starting point. But what history would also show us is that if you go through a movement, be it a revolution, be it anything at all, then if anger has been the overriding energy, then what you end up with is something that's just as bad as what was there before you don't usually end up with an improvement. You just change the heads and much the same stuff keeps happening. And so it doesn't seem like that's the way forward. It really seems like there's some other way for us to go and that's what this is an exploration of. On the other hand, 
if you have people who choose to become spiritually empowered and who come from a heart that, yes, you felt the angry, yes, you felt the frustration, yes, you felt the rage, you know something's got to be done, but you're able to process those feelings within your own being and then you don't become a wimp. You don't just say, oh, well, I'm not feeling angry anymore, so I'm not going to do anything. And what can I do anyway? And you just sort of wimp out. So that is not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is moving from the rage stage to the transmutation of energy stage, whereby we somehow come to a place where inside of us we're motivated not by fear and rage, but by love and concern and compassion and a vision. We need a vision for this sort of work. What's my vision for the future? If it's a personal matter, what's my vision for the relationship you're in or the job you're in? What's my vision for that? And how is it that what's going on now is not meeting up to that vision? We're looking at the whole of the global situation with the way that humans interact with nature and what they take for granted and what they think is okay. When I say they, I mean we really because we're members of the human race. And what I find is that we can have our vision of the future hijacked by the horrible things that are happening. And so what happens is instead of being able to imagine the ocean becoming clean and clear and rivers that are well stocked with fish, which is a great barometer that the ecology of the river is healthy, instead of being able to envisage that ponds and lakes have got lots of frogs, which is another way that we know the ecosystem's not too bad because frogs don't live in dirty, icky, polluted environments, then we can see nature starting to regenerate and rebalance internally even when awful things are happening out in the world. We need to be able to have a vision. The whole idea of being a visionary is that you can hold a vision of a better way or a better place or a better outcome even before it's manifested. So this does not mean that we're out of touch with what's actually happening in the world. We're not. The reason we're bothering to try and set another vision is because it seems at the moment that the good people who are freaking out about climate change and pollution and people not caring about clean water, clean air and clean soil are being sucked into the vortex of fear through which we just have all of our nightmares playing out inside of our mind. Does anyone relate to what I'm saying? That when something's important to you, it's really hard not to buy into the vision of horror that all your fears can generate. And let's face it, our fears are powerful and our fears are capable of generating some pretty horror scenarios in whatever area that fears come up or where the angers come up. We just get frightened and we see the worst. And so that's human and that's natural. But for a sacred activist working spiritually, that is a part of the process but it's not the end of the process. And so what we're doing is looking at, well, how can we complete the process of not getting lost in that horror and being part of the lift and shift that starts a new conversation, that starts a new visioning happening of a new clarity, loving kindness towards not just other humans but other species and 
a real focus upon ecosystems, well-being, and that things are clean, you see. So hold on to a new reality with a new earth vision, which I think is exactly what we need. If we went back to ancient history, then we would have found that every village, every tribe, every clan had shaman and priests and priestesses, and they automatically knew how to keep aligning with nature. They would meditate on fields and flowers and trees and the trees and the flowers and nature would inform them of how they could proceed and they would help to guide the human beings of their tribe towards a better way of being. And they'd stay in balance with nature because they were so dependent upon nature. You don't go soiling your river when that's your drinking water, do you? And so the ancient people probably knew more about this than the more modern people and the indigenous people of the earth. Certainly are far more in connection with these things I'm talking about than white culture. Western culture has really lost its way, I think, in terms of how it relates to the natural worlds. And so given that I'm a Western person and a white person, I've been really giving a lot of thought to how can I play some role in rectifying things? And that's really the energy from which this idea has sprung. In the past, some years ago, we used to run vision groups and it was a similar thing. We would hold the vision of how things could be better. In the last 20 years, there's been a lot of work done on how important it is what your mindset is doing. And they've done things like rolled a dice a million times and asked everybody to focus on sixes coming up or fours coming up. And when they ask a panel of human beings to focus on a particular number coming up more, it statistically skews the roll of the dice. Similarly, two up, which is heads and tails, you know, flip, flip a coin, heads and tails. They've done extensive research over millions of flips of a coin done by a computer, randomized computer program, and they asked the humans to focus on either heads or tails, whatever it was, and statistically a vast skewing of the results because you'd normally expect it to be about 50-50, but it was skewed ridiculously. And so they've come to start to understand in science in the last, well, 100 years, but 20 years particularly, that the power of human thought actually has an effect and that vibrations emanate from thought and that those vibrations are subtly affecting the energy of the things we're thinking about in the way we're thinking. And so the manner of our thought will be the manner of what the subtle energies tend towards. So we're always tending towards a particular direction. Just from my observation of earth activism types of groups that are around, you know, clean water, clean air, clean soil, climate change, all these things, it seems like hate wars on both sides, you know, that there's those who defend to their dying breath their right to do whatever they like to the earth, seemingly in contravention of any scientific data or dictum. There are people who are just like vandals uh, when it comes to the earth and they seem to have no compunction about it, or others who are driven by financial need or necessity as they would see it, 
whether that's true or it's not true, financial need or necessity is often a driving force for people. But if there was a strong enough vision, could that overcome it? Well, I think there's enough evidence around now, both from ancient mystics and from modern scientists, to say that what we focus on grows. There's been other experiments done too. When Mother Teresa and Lady Di died on the same weekend, they noticed that there was a much more coherence in the world than at other times. Uh, The heart math people found that everyone was in their hearts because you either loved Mother Teresa or you loved Lady Di or you loved them both. And everyone was in their heart, even though they were sad, everyone in the world seemed to come into some kind of coherent field and it changed various measurements they had of natural frequencies. So human emotion does seem to have an effect. And what I'm keen to do is to put into the arena something that's not driven by fear, even though we've all felt the fear, we've felt the rage, we've felt the anger, but is driven by a desire, a yearning and a vision for something better to happen. Thankfully, the law of vibration has been constructed in such a way that the empowered thoughts of people who are able to hold a vibration of love and compassion, peacefulness, even joyfulness and connection to the infinite in whatever way is right for them, that is such a strong vibration that it's able to sort of cancel out millions of other thoughts of an opposite vibration. So the fear, blaming, shaming, rage-filled, venge-filled consciousness that has an effect on where we're heading as a culture can be cancelled out by a very small number of people who can hold the higher end of the spectrum. And that work is, of course, David R. Hawkins' extensive work on vibration, showing through muscle testing what the effects can be of vibration. So I think it's worthwhile for us to make a concerted effort to contribute to the visioning of a higher place. So if we focus on clean water, clean air, clean soil and balance in the natural kingdoms and respect between humanity and the earth, then it's probable that a lot of other things will come into balance. We know that the climate's changing. We know that that's going on. You know, you'd have to be some crazy person not to understand that the climate's changing and what effect is humanity having? If we can focus on clean water, clean air and clean soil, then I hope that we avoid political arguments that just sidetrack everybody and create more rage and more upset. And instead, hopefully, everybody in the world would be able to relate to what a better place the earth would be if we had clean water, clean air and clean soil. And how, of course, that would um, improve quality of life for everybody, not just humans, but everybody. So today, I thought we should probably start with what's probably the most pressing issue, at least as I can perceive it right now, which is that we are creating a planet that is uninhabitable by humans. And I feel that there's a very large thought form gathering by a lot of people who are very frightened and angry and feel moral outrage about it all. They look at ice caps melting. They look at forests. You just watch David Attenborough's shows on TV and you see the this is what it looked like five years ago, this is what it looks like now. 
Uh, you can watch the forests in Madagascar or any other country. This is what it looked like five years ago. This is what it looks like now. And you can see how everything's shrinking and what's going to happen. So we can start with a vision. We don't have to know how the vision is going to be realized because it will happen at a vibration higher than the current debate is happening at. And so at the current debate level of vibration, we can expect that the climate will keep getting more and more hostile. There will be bigger swings, both heat and cold, wildfires and snowstorms and hurricanes and crazy stuff happening. We can expect that at the level of vibration of debate right now and fear because the fear is feeding into everything. So we know that bad things happen. Bad things happen to everybody. And even in times of a golden age of balance and harmony, there would be the odd bad thing that happened. There'd be the odd bad storm. There'd be the odd landslide or hurricane or earthquake or volcanic eruption. So it's not like we can eradicate these things from the natural world. It's just trying to affect the extremes from being so extreme. We're trying to push things back into a more balanced perspective. And this basically is going to take work because we're going to feel dejected. We're going to feel like this is too hard. We've been meditating for six weeks and nothing's changed. Well, people have been frightened about all these things for a couple of centuries now. So I don't know that in six weeks we're going to see enormous change. But things take longer to pop out into reality in the physical world than they do on the inner world. So even one meditation that we do together to clear out all of the fear that we've added to the discussion, even one cleansing, clearing, purifying process to pull our stuff out of the debate is actually going to make a difference even if we can't see it for a while. And so if we add those together every week, come together and do something, invite people to come on the journey with us, try and help them understand the philosophy Uh, we will feel the change in ourselves. And I think that we'll feel more empowered to be part of the vision-holding group of kind of earth elders. And by that, I don't mean chronological age, but that you can hold your potency that, yes, these terrible things happen. Yes, I feel terrified. Cleanse, release, right, what's the vision? I've got to flip this. I've got to have the internal strength to be able to flip this and to be able to hold a vision of a better thing happening and to do it on behalf of everybody. So clean water, clean air and clean soil is our simple unified focus. And that way, hopefully, loads of other things can kind of come into harmony and balance around that simplicity. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Soul Talk. I hope the podcast has served you in creating a happier and more abundant life. If you've enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to connect with me, head over to shaktidurga.com. Anima.